If you go to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, please. 1 Corinthians 6. We've been on a, uh, a series for a number of weeks now that we're calling the Temple of the Holy Spirit. Now this series is actually built on the previous series, which was, what was the title of that? Faithful to Finish? Is that the one? Faithful to Finish. It's been a few months back, but uh, this one actually came out of that because we talked about how short life is. It really is brief. The psalmist said, uh, teach us to number our days. And you do need to, not in a fearful way, but just to keep yourself aware of where you are and what's coming next. Many uh, on the planet, they live like they're going to do this forever. And that's a fantasy. And you'll see people are shocked when people around them die. And that's just foolish. That's, that's living in a fantasy world. You should know that soon and very soon, everybody you know is going to pass off the scene, yourself included. You are not going to live another 300 years down here or 200 years. So how much longer do you have? People say, well, I don't like to think about that. Well, that's a problem because the Bible told you to think about it and to redeem your time. Why? Because if you don't think about it and you live in a fantasy world pretending you're going to do what you're doing now forever, you will wind up wasting your life. You will wind up pursuing things that are vanity and of no use and benefit. And so we spend a lot of time on that. And if you're interested, I, I believe it's worth your time to go back and, and watch it, listen to it. Because how many want to finish your course? Yes. A lot of people get cut off short. They don't go all the way. They don't make it all the way. And there is a, God has a plan for you and a specific purpose. And you can do a whole bunch of things other than that, but if you're smart, you'll seek his will and plan. And you'll commit yourself to that. And if you find that and finish it, you'll always be happy. Past this life. It's happening very quick. One of the things we ended up talking about is our body. That if you're going to finish your course, you've got to stay in this body long enough to do that. Because when your body quits working, whether you're finished or not, you're done. Is that right? If you leave your body today, it doesn't matter what else was in the plan. You're done with this life. And uh, they tell us that some approximately 160,000 people will die across the face of the globe today in 24 hours. Almost two every second. That's how quickly people are leaving. And more than that are being born. And so if you could back off outside the atmosphere and look on the planet, you could see in the spirit, you would see all these hundreds of thousands of arrivals, births, and departures, deaths. It's happening every second all across the planet. And you and I, we arrived a few years ago. <laughs> But the Lord tears is coming just, just that much longer. It'll be too long for us and we will depart. Doesn't mean we'll cease to exist. We will depart. And the Bible said to depart and to be with Christ is far better. Hallelujah. Than hanging around here. So for the believer... Death, departure is nothing to be dreaded. It's actually something to look forward to. But you don't want to leave early. 
It'll happen soon enough. You got a job to do. You got things to be a part of. Things to be involved in. One thing the Lord, a question the Lord asked me some years ago. He brought that scripture to my remembrance that we've quoted, I've heard most of my life. You know, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the Lord asked me a question. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me. He said, uh, how are people serving me? Because a lot of people say that. Do you serve the Lord? And people say, oh, oh yeah. And what they mean is they believe in God. But is that the same as serving him? And a lot of people have the idea, if you come to church, that's serving God. Actually, if you come to church and just sit and get fed, that's you being served. That's not you serving. So if you, and just because you say, well, I believe in God, that's not the same as serving God. You want to be of service to the master. You want to be involved in something that benefits his church, his peoples, his ministries. Is that right? His outreaches. That means you need to do something. Something that your time and talents and treasure can contribute to. So do you serve the Lord? How are you serving him? Which is one thing that a lot of folks need to make an adjustment on. They have decided that they can just sit at home and watch service on the internet and say, I believe in God and that they're serving God. That's not serving God. That's being served. Right? No, which is why the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. People say, well, I can be just as good a Christian as you or anybody, you know, at home, you know, or out in the woods worshiping God. Well, you can't be as good a Christian as anybody ignoring the Bible. No, you can't. (laughs) And if he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, then what should you do? Don't stop gathering together with other believers. Right? Find where you're supposed to be and get in and serve. And when they say, we need help on this, we need help on that, we need help, somebody's hand ought to go up. Is that right? And now you actually are serving. Serving. And what a difference it'll make in your life. (laughs) It's quiet. I'm telling you, you'll be happier for it. And when your time's up and you see you're about to breathe your last and you're about to leave here, you'll be so happy that you didn't just spend all your time on stuff that won't even matter later. But you actually did some things that helped build the Lord's church and help get the gospel out and help minister to other people. Aren't you thankful for the cleaning team that ministered to you? That got your chair clean today? The parking lot team that ministered to you? The children's team that helped me? We got teams all over the churches. And that's how we know you're really a part of us. Not just if you show up once in a while. That's like a visitor. Is that right? But if you actually get on a team and serve, we go, okay, that's one of us. Is that right? (laughs) How did we get into all of that? Well, is it true? 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. We we won't read uh, all of it, but uh, he had said in verse 12, he said, that the people were saying, all things are lawful to me. He said, but all things are not expedient. They said, all things are lawful for me. He said, yeah, but I won't be brought under the power of any of them. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. The body's not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know you not that your bodies 
are the members of Christ? This has not been a widely understood truth. People have despised their body and have rejoiced at the idea of getting rid of it one day and getting another one, a different one. Well, it is true that we will have a spiritual body later. But the reality is it'll be this body glorified. And that this body is a, a purchased eternal part of Christ. Think about that. Touch your hand or something somewhere. Say it out loud. This body, this body is a permanent part. Of Christ. Christ. He bought it. He He paid for it. It belongs to him. him. Hallelujah. Amen. Now. Don't misunderstand. Because of sin. Because of the curse. Because of death. These bodies have all kind of issues right now. But once they are changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I assure you, you're going to be more than happy. There will be no more pain, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more dying, no more aging, no more decay. This corruptible will put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. And Romans 8 says, if the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in you, he'll also quicken your mortal body. Oh, somebody put your hand on your midsection and say, the Spirit of God lives in me and he quickens my mortal body. Now this means more than one thing. It means here and now And it means much more later. Notice which body he quickens? Mortal. Mortal. That's that's this right now. He quickens it. And we get what the Bible calls the earnest or the first fruits of our inheritance. That is a a foretaste of what's to come. And that's, that's not enough to make your body immortal. But it is enough to heal it and to renew it and to strengthen it and to restore it long enough until you finish your course. But then later on, you're going to get the full thing. Hallelujah. The rest of it and the power of God, the Holy Spirit, is going to flow through this body. He's going to raise it from the dead if you've already passed, even if it decomposed in the desert 300 years ago. When the trumpet sounds. God knows where every molecule is. He does. And it's going to come together. And the glory of God is going to go through it. And it will no longer be subject. To any kind of corruption. Or decay. Or defect. Or deformity. Our weakness. Our disability. That's something to look forward to. But in the meantime, you get the earnest. You get to to, uh, taste of it, a foretaste of it. In a quickening and and a a renewing and a strengthening. So put your hand on your body again. Say it out loud. The Spirit of God. God. The same Spirit. That raised Christ's body from the dead. That same spirit. Lives inside of me. And he quickens. My mortal body. Come on say it again. He quickens. My mortal body. One more time. He quickens. Quicken means make full of life. Make it alive. Make it full of life. Hey! Got a kidney problem? All you need is a quickening. God can make that kidney full of life. Heart problem, lung problem, knee problem, 
Whatever it is. Brain problem. The quickening of the Spirit of God. Go through it. And you're good to go. (laughs) It's not too good to to be true. It's the Bible. (laughs) Don't let this be the last time you say that. Put your hands on your body again. Say it out loud. The same Spirit. The same Spirit. That raised Christ's body from the dead. Lives in me. Abides in me. And that same Spirit. Quickens. My mortal body. Quickens. This body. Now the more you say that, the more you believe that, the more you expect that, the more you will experience it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He he went on to say, verse 14, God has raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Does it matter what you do with your body? You hear a lot of people say, well, it's my body. I can do what I want to with it. Not if you're a Christian. That's not even true. Keep going. He said, uh, verse, let me skip down for, for time's sake, verse 19. He says, what? Know you not? Don't you know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You're not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is God. Actually, the phrase, and in your spirit, it's not there in the original text. If you look at the others. Because, and, and the emphasis is, glorify God in your body. That's what the emphasis is. So say it out loud. Glorify God. God. In your body. body. It belongs to God. God. Amen. Amen. Now uh, something that the Lord quickened to me at the very beginning of this series before I ever started it. And I'm just now getting to it. But uh, uh, go to Proverbs the 28th chapter. And the ninth verse. He said this. He that turns away his ear. From hearing the law. Now that was the bigger part. Of the word of God they had. Now we have. The law and the prophets. And the gospel accounts. And the epistles. But basically he's talking about the word of God. If you turn away your ear. From hearing what God said. Even your prayer shall be an abomination. That's a strong word, isn't it? The NIV says it like this. If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. So just because you're praying doesn't mean it's good. Not all prayer is good. God doesn't want to hear all prayer. There's a lot of prayer that's absolute junk. Religious junk. God doesn't listen to it, doesn't hear it, because it's ignoring what he's already said. And that's an issue. And I've heard people say, well, you know, prayer is first. Always prayer is number one. I disagree. I strongly disagree. The word is first. You don't even know what to pray without the word. You don't know how to pray without the word. And unless you pray in faith, your prayer is in vain. And where are you going to get your faith? From the word. Is that right? No, it all starts and continues with what he told you. That's it. So the word is first. And so... uh, He said, if you turn away your ear from hearing what God said, even the prayer will be detestable. 
Go with me to uh, 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, and you'll see something that when we read it, you, most of you will recognize it. And it's, it's one of the great utterances of the Word of God, and it reveals so many things. 1 Samuel 15, verse 1, Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken thou to the voice of the words of the Lord. Now, when the conversation starts like this, what should you do? This is not, you've got to watch about things like this because sometimes people hear phrases like this and they think he's just saying howdy and introductory remarks. <laughs> Till he's getting ready. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. Well, you know, friends, how many times has an angel of the Lord in, in one of these visitations or the, the man of God or somebody showed up and said, Fear not? That's not saying hi. That's a directive. Is that right? And why would the Lord say, Don't fear? Well, for one thing, if you're looking at a big angel, <laughs> and your feet are trying to run away with you. <laughs> you. It's time to act on what he told you. And anytime the Lord tells you something, there's power in what he told you to enable you to do what he told you. He never just tells you something to do that's beyond your ability to do it. Maybe before he told you, you couldn't do it. But when he told you, there's power in what he said. Enabling you. Empowering you to do what he said. Well, so what does this start off with? Hearken to the voice of the words of the Lord. Let me, let me read this to you from another couple of... Uh, Translation of the Amplified said, now listen and heed the words of the Lord. The, the Living Bible says, now be sure that you obey him. He told him this before he even told him what to obey and do. Because it's always a matter of trust with God. You, you don't, how many understand you don't tell God, well, let me wait and see what you're saying. And then I'll decide if, you know, we're going to do it. Well, you don't trust him, which would mean there's no point in him talking to you. So it starts off with faith. And actually, there's a warning here. If the Lord tells you, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you, what should you immediately know? There's a danger here that I won't, or he wouldn't have told me. There's an issue here. And if you've read the rest of the chapter, you know why. He told him, pay attention to the words of the Lord and be sure that you do them. Then he goes on to say, he said, I remember what Amalek did to Israel. How he laid wait for him in the way and when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not. Man, woman, everything. Livestock, everything. Now you might say, why? Why would that happen? Well, you got to go back actually a number of years before when God brought Israel out of Egypt. And they were going through uh, on their way to the promised land. And you know they, they got delayed because of their unbelief. But Amalek took advantage of them. And the Bible said, uh, if you look in Deuteronomy and other places. They attacked them when they were weak. And when they were tired. And they hit the back of them. And the feeble ones and weak ones. And they just took advantage of God's people when they were weak and down. And God spoke and said, Amalek is going to be wiped off the face of the earth. 
And you will not be able to find any Amalekites today. They don't exist. Because they did that and they didn't repent. And they wouldn't repent. Well, how many understand God's going to keep his word? And even though it was generations later, now he tells Saul, okay, it's going to happen now. And you're going to be the one I use. And so Saul gathered the, uh, uh, well, uh, let, me, let me read this to you. Deuteronomy 25 is where that came from. And Deuteronomy 25, 18, he says, Amalek met you by the way and smote the hindmost of you, even all that were feeble when you were faint and weary and he feared not God. And therefore it'll be that when the Lord your God has given you rest from all the enemies round about, uh, in the land the Lord gives you for an inheritance, you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You will not forget it. Is it a mistake to hurt God's people when they're down? Yes. It's a bad mistake. Because we have a defender. God is real. And so he tells him through Samuel to go and, and do this. So verse 4, Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000. Verse 5, Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. Verse 6, he told the Kenites, you better get out of here because uh, so we don't destroy you. And verse 7, Saul smote the Amalekites. And verse 8, he took Agag, the king of Amalekites, alive. Is that Okay. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen and the fatlings and lambs. And all it was good, they would not destroy them. Is this okay? How how did the conversation begin in verse 1? Anybody remember this? Take heed. Is that right? That you do... What he tells you to do. So was there a good reason why the Lord started off the conversation with that? Because yes. they, they changed it up. They made exceptions. They made a call. They were in the middle of it. They were the ones there. And they made a call. <laughs> and... Uh, Everything that was vile and refuse, they destroyed all the bad stuff. But they kept all the good stuff. Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel, saying, It repents me that I set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, because he cared about Saul. And he cried to the Lord all night. Now do you remember the, uh, the text we read earlier in, in Proverbs? If you turn away your ear from hearing what God said, even your prayer to God is detestable. Because he knows you know what he said. And you're trying to pray something different from what he said. And he does not like that. You wouldn't like it either. Trying to play games. So uh, Samuel rose early to meet Saul. They told him Saul has come to Carmel. Verse 13, Samuel came to Saul. And Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. (laughs) We did it. Why would you lead with that? I have performed the commandment. Why lead with that? (laughs) You'll notice that there are so many lessons to learn in this. When somebody leads and is adamant about something, that's the thing you got to (laughs) watch. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Blessed are you of the Lord. Now notice the spiritual language. The spiritual language, you're going to find it repeated, was actually 
ungodly rebellion. And yet he's talking about the Lord. The Lord this. And he's going to talk about offerings and worshiping the Lord. And yet it's a cover for rebellion and disobedience. So just just because somebody's talking about God or giving or worship doesn't mean their heart's right. Y'all okay? He said, uh, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, well, what is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? (laughs) And this lowing of oxen, I hear mooing. I hear sheep and cows. What's all that that I hear? And Saul says, they, they, they have brought them from the Amalekites because the people, them, they, they spared the best of the sheep and the oxen, but you know, they did it to sacrifice to the Lord. They did it to give it to the Lord. The whole thing, they're going to give the whole thing to the Lord. You know how much money we're talking about here? You couldn't leave all that, you know, money out there in the, in the field dead. A lot of money here. But everything else, you know, we utterly destroyed. Everything else. We. We did that. They did that. The other. <laughs> now this goes way back. Way back. <laughs> you know. The Lord asked Adam. Did, did you eat of the fruit? He said the woman. The woman you gave me. And then he said to, to the woman. Did you, did you do it? She said the serpent. The serpent, and the serpent was trying to point, but wasn't nobody there. And <laughs> now we're laughing, but to God it ain't funny. Mm-mm. It is, it is one of the most serious things you can do. It will ruin your life. Did this thing? Have you read the scriptures? Did this? Was this the end of Saul's reign? And being used of God. Even though he hung on for a few years after. This, this marked his end. Right here. And it wasn't because he made a big mistake. He could have recovered from this. Even though he sinned grievously. If he'd have really repented. But he didn't. And he wouldn't. Now keep going. Samuel said to Saul. Stay, or we might say, be still, be quiet. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me this night. Saul said, well, say on. Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel? And the Lord sent you on a journey. He's the one put you in that position. Then he called on you and told you to do something to confirm his word from generations ago to take care of something. And uh, he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites. Fight against them until they are consumed. Because see, he had prophesied they are going to be wiped off the face of the earth. There's going to be no remembrance of them forever. And why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? You did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. This is why this was his end. Arguing. Justifying. Rationalizing. Excusing. Can you see this? This is not an ignorance problem. This is a heart problem. Who's he arguing with? Well, he's standing face to face 
with the leading man of God on the planet at the time. The Bible said everybody from Dan to Beersheba knew Samuel was a prophet of God. And that all of his words came to pass. Have you ever heard that said about anybody? Except the master? None of his words fell to the ground. What does that mean? When Samuel told you something, you'd take it to the bank, brother. It always happened. And he's the one that told them that Saul was God's choice. He's the one anointed him king. And so when this caliber of elder and this caliber of higher anointing addresses you and corrects you, it's time for you to shut up. Come on, are you listening? And it's time for you to hit your knees and go, I've sinned. What was I thinking? But see, he's still in Samuel's face. Going, I did it. Yeah, I did. I did it. (laughs) He said, uh, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone the way which the Lord sent me. And I brought Agag, the king of the Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. See, he's justifying him sparing the king. What did the Lord tell him? You wipe, you, you leave nothing. And, and, and the whole thing started out with pay attention to what the Lord told you. But the people, they took the spoil, the sheep. Well, who's king around here? The people. The people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which they have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Spiritual language. You know, we we did it for your God. We did it because we wanted to give a big offering. And this is when that great statement was made, verse 22. Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned. I transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. But now I pray you, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. He's still not concerned about repenting are acknowledging what he did. He's concerned about saving face in front of the people. He wants Samuel to go out front with him. And, and have his big day. Samuel said to Saul. I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord. Remember what we said. If you turn away your ear from hearing what God said. Even your prayer. Is detestable. The Lord has rejected you from being king. And Samuel turned about to go away. He's leaving. And Saul laid hold on the skirt of his mantle. And it ripped. It tore. So he's going to grab the man of God. By his clothes. And and make him stay. See that's his heart. Being king has gone to his head. That's why he started out saying. When you were little in your own sight. Why? That's changed. And Samuel said, the Lord has rent, tore the kingdom of Israel from you today and given it to a neighbor of yours that's better than you. And verse 30, well, he said, the strength of Israel will not lie in a repent. He's not a man that he should repent. And Saul said, I have sinned, but honor me now, I pray you, before the elders of my people. See, there's no repentance here. He just wants to be seen. And noticed. So what's, how does that work in with all the other? I'm glad you asked. 
Said out loud to obey is better than sacrifice. Come on, say it again. To obey is better than a sacrifice. Let me read this to you from another couple of translations. The complete Jewish Bible says, Does Adonai take as much pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying what Adonai says? The New Living says, What's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering the fat of rams. They tried to substitute giving for obedience. Can you see that? And they're not the last ones that tried to do that. Anybody remember Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr.'s testimony about how as a teenager he was in incurable conditions and um, how that God healed him raised him up off what would have been his deathbed at, what was he, 16 years old? And uh, what's not as widely known is some of the things that happened right after that. He was healed. He had been bedfast, had been paralyzed. But now he can get up, he can move around, but he's skin and bone. And he's been very weak. And so he went to breakfast and sat down at the table, which he hadn't been able to do for a long time, and his family was shocked. And, and um, actually, his, his grandpa asked him, said, has the dead been raised? Is Lazarus raised? <laughs> Talking about him. And he said, yes, the, the Lord has raised me up. And he said, not long after that, though, he got, uh, right after breakfast, got really sick on his stomach. Not just a little, but, but pretty bad. And then the next day or two, it happened again. Right after breakfast, he got really sick on his stomach and took him a a bit to get over it. And he began to realize the connection was coffee. And not too long before that, the doctor had recommended that he needed to eat things like broccoli and other things for his diet. And he didn't like it. But he had learned enough about faith he began to say, I can eat it. Some of those foods, he said it would make him nauseous just to smell it cooking in the kitchen, much less try to eat it. But over the course of the time, he got to where not only could he eat it, but developed a taste for it. So he thought, well, you know, I'll just do the same thing about this coffee. But he said he knew in his spirit he couldn't. Don't get concerned, I'm not preaching against coffee. But he knew in his spirit, because the Lord quickened to him, no, you'll have to leave that off. And so the next few mornings, he didn't drink any coffee, no sickness, no issues at all. And so for the rest of his life, he didn't drink coffee. Now, he drank tea. And he enjoyed tea, I guess, every day. But not coffee. Now, the reason I bring that up is because Why didn't he just believe God to where he could drink the coffee? Because he got a word from the Lord in his spirit that the coffee for him, everybody's body's different, but for him it was causing him a problem and that the solution is to leave that off. But if you're going to try to use your faith to believe that you can do it anyway, what is that? That's rebellion. And what you'll find is there are many cases in our circles, word, faith, charismatic circle, where people are praying instead of obeying. Y'all with me? The Lord's told them something, but they keep trying to get a result another way. They, try, they keep trying to substitute something for instead of obedience. <laughs> Y'all are too quiet. Are we still talking about the same thing? Do you want to finish your course? Then what do you got? You got to stay in your body. Is that right? 
You got to stay in your body long enough to finish your course. And a lot of things that are body problems are actually lifestyle problems. And trying to believe for a miracle instead of doing what God told you to do is not going to work. That's why you can go decades with no results. And that's why you can pray about it and pray about it and pray about it and pray about it and pray about it. it. But if you're ignoring something the Lord told you to do, your prayer is something God don't want to hear. Whether it's you, me, any of us, are these things true? But the good news is the truth will make you free. Right? In the first miracle that occurred in Jesus' ministry, anybody remember what that was? Jesus' mother said they have no wine. And eventually, she just turned to them and said, whatever he says to you, do it. Was that the key to the miracle that day? When he told them, go fill the water pots full of water, and they did it, a miracle happened. Not while they were sacrificing. Not while they were praying. But while they were obeying. Everybody say obeying. To obey will get you more results than trying to do some big sacrifice. If the Lord says, go join a team, you say, well, I'm too busy. I'll just give more money in the offering. That ain't going to fly. Is that right? Yeah, but I'll give a lot of money. It don't matter how much you give. Nothing can be a replacement for obedience. Nothing will work as a substitute to doing exactly what he told you to do. And some of the most basic things. God made the world. He made the laws that govern natural things. Now it's all in a fallen state. He didn't make it in a fallen cursed condition. But he did make it. Is it reasonable for us to try to believe God to override or set aside the laws and natural things he put in motion for us because we won't listen to him and do what he told us to do. And this is happening. This is happening. Some of the most simple things. Eat less sugar. Less salt. Yeah, but, but your flesh don't want to hear that. Because everybody, you know, human beings are creatures of habit. Oh, all they're creatures of habit. Addicted to their lifestyle. Like it's something holy. Now I have to eat this at this time. And then I do this. And then I do that. And No, what is so holy about your lifestyle? It's just something you've gotten used to. But some simple adjustments can have big effects. Especially over the course of months and years. Could that affect our longevity? Now you don't. You don't go preaching your personal convictions to other people. Because everybody's body is different. And like Brother Hagin, that coffee was an issue for him. But that don't mean coffee's an issue for you. Tea could be an issue for you. He drank tea. But it'll be something. As you go through life, you'll have something that you need fixed or something that's going on. And the first thing you should do is go to the Lord and inquire of him. Is that right? Inquire of the Lord. What do I do about this? There's more to life than just rebuking and binding. And claiming your healing. You don't just blindly do that over and over and over again. And particularly if you're not seeing results. If things are not changing. Then you need to back up and go, okay, Lord, show me what's going on here. And many times, he'll have to point to you back. Is that right? He showed you something. 
He told you something. He told you to change something or to do something different. About uh, 10 years ago, I started having some back problems. And I, I had never had any back problems. But there were a few times it, it almost, you know, incapacitated me from being able to speak. It was that painful and that bad. And uh, I spoke over the course. And the Lord helped me. And then I, it kept once in, you know, I'd go for months and be, and then, and then here he hit me again. And uh, finally I did what I'm talking about. I, I said, Lord, what's, what's going on here? And he brought to my remembrance, he told me to stretch. Stretch. Years ago I was involved in, in, in quite a bit of athletic stuff and I knew something about stretching. I'm not talking about yoga now. I don't do yoga. <laughs> now you're laughing because in yoga stretching. Now anything that's got a bunch of spiritual stuff that's not God, you want to stay away from it. But stretching is not a religion. And so I, I didn't do it as soon as I should have. And guess what? Kept having back problems. So uh, what should I do? Pray more. Pray more. Sow an offering. <laughs> now you won't hear this everywhere, but you, I'm going to say it real clearly and plain. You don't sow money for a healing. You can't buy a healing. You don't sow money for a salvation. Those are bought and paid for. Are y'all with me now? No, and every seed produces after its own kind. You sow money, guess what you're going to reap? Money. Are you so helping something? You understand what I'm saying? But no, you don't. I know, I know people do it, but you won't hear that here. And I'm telling you, I don't believe that. It's already been bought, already been paid for. Do you believe it? You just need to receive it. But you also need to listen and pay attention. And so I, 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 you know, every once in a while I'd have another issue, have another issue. Take me sometimes weeks to get over. That was years ago. And so finally, <laughs> finally well, you know, remember, remember we talked about, about um, lifestyle. What do you do first thing when you get up in the morning? Well, stretching wasn't on my agenda. <laughs> But I spend a lot of time at the desk. That's, that's rough on your back. And a lot of time, you know, in the cockpit. And a lot of time, in, you know, these kind of things. And so I finally, I said, Lord, Lord yeah, I, I, that's you. And so I'd roll out of bed. And first thing, first thing I do, I get on the floor. And for 20, 30 minutes at least, do some stretching. And guess what? For years now. For years now. And I'm older than I was then, but no problems. No problem. No problem. Every once in a while, I feel a little something. I go, you better stretch, boy. You better stretch. And so I do. But see, many times that's too simple. People don't want to do that. They don't want to change their lifestyle. They're addicted to their lifestyle. No, they want to do what they want to do, the way they want to do it, when they want to do it. But there are things that may, may sound simple to you, but they can be life-changing. The Lord will say, quit doing that. Start doing this. Leave off this. Turn off the devices and go to bed. And get some rest. Get some sleep. Wonder how many times he's told people that. And so people think, well, you know, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll make a change. One of the you've been saying that for ten years. And a lot of things they don't affect you the next day, but it's cumulative over a period of months 
and years now, you are in a deep deficit of sleep. It affects your brain. It affects your nervous system. It affects your digestive system. And you need healing? No, you need to obey. (laughs) You obey, and the rest of it will work out. You need to obey. And quit trying to replace obedience. Well, I'll just confess. I'll just confess. I'll just confess. (laughs) I had a Pentecostal aunt who was a preacher. Wonderful woman. And uh, I remember as a boy. For some reason it stuck with me. We would back in the day in the country. We would have uh, what they'd call hog killings. And you'd wait till, it, till the weather turned cold, you know. And so then when they'd have hog killings, and that was one of my, my grandmother's phrases, if it was cold in the place, she said, whew, it's cold enough to kill a hog in here. <laughs> We're going back now. This is, this, is, this is what in the world? Hey, that's how it was. And when you would uh, have the, the hog killings, They'd put on big pots and have fresh, you know, salt pork stuff cooked, and uh, it was quite the, uh, the thing. And my aunt had gotten too heavy, and uh, the doctor had warned her about eating real salty stuff because her blood pressure was real high and all this kind of stuff. And she's a preacher, and they had just cooked a bunch of that fresh salt pork stuff, you know, and she was smelling it and... And I heard her say, I don't care what they say. I'm going to eat me a bait of that fresh pork if it kills me. But I'm going you know, to trust God. Well, not too many years after that, she died. From complications of heart problems and blood pressure and this kind of thing. Was, was it preventable? Was it something that could have been changed? Lifestyle things, addictions to lifestyle, addictions to other things. You can pray and make confessions, but if the Lord's already told you something and you're ignoring what he told you, he won't even hear your prayer. And that's why there are vain prayers and vain confessions. People are confessing instead of complying. They're praying instead of obeying. Thank God for light. Thank God for truth. It'll make you free. Can you say amen? Amen. In closing, look at 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Is this okay? Do we want to make it all the way? Can we ignore this and make it all the way? No, you you can't. You got to to listen. Got to pay attention. I know when I first started in the ministry... I was speaking a lot, and I got to where I was losing my voice, losing my voice. And this went on for months and months. And finally, I, you know, I, I made confessions, and I did this, but I'm getting no better. So what's it time to do? Inquire of the Lord. Is that right? Inquire of the Lord. And I mean, just like that. I mean, before I could get through praying, he quickened to me, stop sleeping without a shirt on. Under the fan on high. Well that's how I like to do it. (laughs) No shirt. Fan blasting. That was the way. (laughs) That was the way. I did it. But now. What am I going to do right. I mean. I can keep praying. You know what I did. Put a t-shirt on. Turn the fan away from me. Guess what? No problem. Losing my voice. No problem. Fixed. To this day. (laughs) Simple. But it requires. Obedience. And the danger. Is the Lord tell you something. And you put it off, put it off, ignore it, put it off, put it off, till you forget it. 
And then even years later, you're wondering, well, why, why, why? Well, that's what the Bible talks about. If you're not a doer of the word, what's the result? You become self-deceived. You're believing you don't know the answer when at one time you did. But the Lord's merciful. If you ask him to, he'll remind you, which we're about to. Is that okay? 1 Corinthians 9, 27 Paul said this, and how many believe Paul was a spiritual man? But he said he had to do this. He said, I keep under my body. We'd sit like this, I keep my body under control. I bring it into subjection. Now that is a strong term in the original. It's, it's very, some, some of them translated, I beat it black and blue. I think that's going a little too far. But The reason they say it is because the words are so strong here. I make it do what it's supposed to do. I control my body. Everybody say it out loud. I control my body. He said, I keep it under. I bring it to subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway or told to stand aside or disqualified. Is another word. The ESV says I discipline my body. And I keep it under control. The living Bible says. Like an athlete. I punish my body. Treating it roughly. Training it to do what it should. Not what it wants to. That's good isn't it. Training it. To do what it should. Not what it wants. We all got flesh. And your flesh likes what it likes and has become accustomed to a certain lifestyle, which who said was perfect? It's just what you've gotten used to. But when the Lord gives us a word, when he gives us a directive, stop this, start this, back off of this, change this. Now what? Now, is he Lord? Whose body is it? Whose body is it? Scripture said you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Glorify God in your body, which is God's. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Master. Let me lead you in a prayer. Don't just parrot what I say, but if it resonates in your heart, because the Lord sees your heart. Say it out loud. Father God, you did buy me and pay for me. I belong to you, including my body. I desire to please you in all things. And to glorify you you. in my body. body. Thank you for my body. body. Regardless of its condition. condition. If I didn't have a body, body, I wouldn't have a life down here. Thank you you. for my remaining days days. and opportunity opportunity. to serve you, to to be of use to you and your people. Thank you for my body. Thank you for my body. Show me how to be the steward of it that pleases you. Anything you've said to me that I have ignored, I repent. You know best. You know right. And by your grace and help, I can make any change that you tell me to. Your word is power. Your word to me enables me to do anything that I need to do. I say my body is for you and you are for my body. Remind me of anything you've said to me 
that I've ignored or set aside. Anything else I need to see and know. Reveal it to me. Make it clear to me. And help me to do it. And I thank you for it. I thank you in advance. For victories. And for being able. To live strong. And free. And to live long. And run my entire race. And finish and complete my whole course. Because you uphold me. You sustain me. And I listen to you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.